0: But like when you're far away like this, and then I oh, I and turn, then you turn up. Then so, I turn the game so up. So stay, yes, stay, stay, stay close. stay, stay
1: uncomfortably close.
0: Unless you know you're going to be loud, like I often.
1: Oh, back mm-hmm. out to exclaim yeah. things. Okay. Yes.
0: yes. Maybe not that far, but <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't seem like something <laughs> I would do on purpose. On
0: no, purpose. So no. you, you know, you don't like have those Ed McMahon moments. I you know? mean,
1: I think I would be ha. Too- <laughs> Maybe
2: I, I should I cultivate <laughs> them.
3: Maybe I should cultivate them. <laughs>
2: we, Sorry, we get, I didn't mean to. We could get, get the sounder. We can just like insert it.
0: <laughs> you like physically jumped. I, I actually feel a little guilty now. <laughs> it's, fine. it's the cider. <laughs> All right, let's hit this.
2: Welcome... I missed it. Did I? Oh, no. Well, now I missed
0: it. <laughs> That's alright. It, it wouldn't be the Sprocket Podcast if
2: we didn't mess up the intro. See, you let me take one week worth of break and I just I come back in shambles. <laughs> Welcome to the Sprocket Podcast, where we're simplifying the good life. I'm Guthrie Straw.
0: And I'm Aaron Flores, broadcasting from the People's Republic of Portland, nestled in the heart of Cascadia.
2: We're the show that brings you somewhat irreverent conversations about the intricacies of thinking locally with a global perspective and enjoying the best that life has to offer along the way.
0: Covering bicycles trains transit adventures and life hacks and today
3: library libraries li- libraries, libraries. <laughs>
0: information access to information
1: and educated citizenry and educate
0: because because that is what librarianism is all about can we call it an ism
1: uh, we call it we typically call it librarianship librarianship, librarianship. Mm. but you know
2: that's pretty cool because it's basically like a well, I guess Fellowship of the Rings. It, it has those it has those like Herculean task connotations through subtle yet intricate maneuvers of, of democracy and bringing reading to people.
1: We are humble and yet we think very highly of our of what we do, of mm-hmm. what we do.
0: Ah. Yeah. So there we have it. And that's our show. <laughs> 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 go to the library. Yes. Go to the library. <laughs> well, well, we should we should introduce our guest. Oh yeah. So if you if you don't recognize this voice, shame on um, shame on. How's it go? <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, this is Joan. Joan is back. Hey. This is number three. Number three. All right. Yes, and and Joan will be talking about books and. Libraries and access to info. We already said all
2: this, mm-hmm.
4: yeah.
0: Right,
2: but the, the header is still rolling, so I feel like it's appropriate to continue oh, okay. talking about the topic so long as the Talk music is playing. Okay, it's kind of like our uh, oh
0: oh no, it's going away. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I don't know. Like, do I keep it going? Mm. Was that, How was that
2: libraries
1: can contribute to a simple life.
2: Yeah, yeah. There we go. Well, one thing that is simple about libraries is you get a library card, and then if you don't want to have a bunch of books at your place, nor purchase them or lend them from friends, you can just go to your li- nice local library and you mm-hmm. can pick up things. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'd, yep. I'd say it is simplifying yep. life.
0: So I wish we had someone actually from the Multnomah County Library, because mm-hmm. um, I heard something to the effect that we have the most circulation than any other public uh, library system?
1: Gosh, I think it's the second. second so most. I am, you know, I, I'm an a- academic librarian. I work at portland state but i am a huge super fan of multnomah county library in fact i was just there earlier picking up a couple books um this afternoon where this little girl was really excited because she just got a library card nice Aww. um
2: that's a special yeah, moment too. it was
1: and she was really excited and i was chatting with her and she didn't even know because i'm sort of incognito with the public library right like i don't work there i'm just oh, a, right. just a patron Mm-hmm. And uh, she was so excited and she was telling me she was showing off her library garden. It was, nice. It was pretty cool. Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot that um, people can use at their public library more than just books. And the other thing that a lot of folks might not know is that a lot of academic libraries, including at private colleges and universities, are often open to the public. So I can speak really? a little bit to public libraries and to academic libraries. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So, like, if I were to go to the PSU library, oh yeah,
1: be
2: like, I would mm-hmm. like to take this book out.
1: Yeah, so we can talk a little bit about. In different places, there are different ways that you can do that.
2: Wow, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. definitely. I I think the um, ability. So I I know at Pacific too, we definitely had folks who would would weren't necessarily part of the institution, mm-hmm. but I do remember mm-hmm. seeing like we had our we had our 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 like fastidious uh, sitting there reading crowd, and then we had like folks just kind of wander in, and you're like, oh wow, you have a lot of. Oh well, I wish I was reading books for fun just like you were. <laughs> yeah, um, and and you're still reading for fun, but you're reading for fun to get the to get the grade. Um, and it's nice to have that open access as mm-hmm. well. I'm pretty sure, yeah, Pacific. I would be surprised if they would closed it off, but they've got a couple of really nice references that are good for public access as well.
1: Yeah, and you can always uh, check the website of your local college or university. But in in I'm going to say most cases, they are open to the public. There may be Uh, slightly limited hours, or it may be that late at night, it's only for students Mm. and folks Mm. affiliated with the university. But um, at Portland State, um, and this is actually true. There are a lot of uh university libraries that are government depositories, which means that the federal government, uh, yeah, sends information. And this this is an old program that goes from way back (laughs) to sort of pre-internet days. And one of the requirements of getting those uh, materials from the federal government is that you're open to the public.
4: Okay. Oh, um, okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So people can come into the library to use our, so the thing that academic and college libraries have are research databases that are not, um, these are the kind of things that libraries are paying a lot of money
2: mm-hmm. Um and, and for example, you're talking like LexisNexis? LexisNexis or...
1: Nexus is a great example okay. with news and business information. There are other things um, like EBSCOhost and mm-hmm. journals and, uh, you know, like the New England Journal of Medicine. If, you know, uh, um, really expensive journals. I can't just get that and... at
0: my regular public library? It depends
1: on the public library, actually. I mean, there are some very large public libraries that do have access. But some of these journals, research journals, a subscription can be like five or ten thousand dollars a year. Mm-hmm. Oh dang! Yeah, I know, right? So, um, but we have, but then we also have lots of things uh, that are, you know, if there's research that you need to do, or I say research. If there's information that you need, there's a, a good chance that your public or academic library is going to have a lot of good uh, information that you can access freely if you're in if you're in the building. If you're mm-hmm. a if you um, use your public library and you have a public library card, you can access their databases from offsite, from home, using mm. your library card. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which is fantastic. So you can look up, like, consumer reports or historical information. You can do all sorts of research.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Another thing that I hadn't known about, and I, I recently got a uh, library card in Multnomah County because my one from Wallowa County is, like, 18 years old now. <laughs> yeah. Um I didn't know that you also had access to educational resources in terms of uh, language learning services yeah. and that type of stuff, too. Yeah. And that uh, I, I thought was fantastic to have kind of bundled in with that.
1: It really is. And, you know, a, a public library is going to have a slightly different mix of things than a, than an academic library, of course, because an academic library is geared towards research needs of students and faculty and staff. Mm-hmm. Um, but a public library is going to have all sorts of things for that can help you, you know, if you need to, if you're getting into a new hobby. Mm-hmm. Right. Or if you, let's say you want to learn how to cook better. Let's say that you want to learn a language or let's say you're traveling. Um, A lot of times they have guidebooks in circulation oh, yeah. and, and maybe it's not the newest ones, although maybe that one's checked out. But, but, you know, maybe the guidebook from three years ago is plenty good enough while you're beginning your research for mm-hmm. your trip to, you know, the Badlands or wherever you might be going. Mm-hmm. Um, And so, yeah, so you can get that. You can get, it's a great way. Um. I'm a, not surprisingly like a lot of librarians, I'm just sort of naturally curious about things. And so if you're a little bit curious and don't want to invest a lot of money, you know, you just I just go to the Multnomah County Library or public library website, put some books on hold. And then like, you know, a little while later, I get a little email telling me I can go pick up my book and I just, well, there it is. Mm-hmm. And then I don't even have to. I mean, I end up spending a lot of time <laughs> but I can just hop in and hop out. But marginally out.
0: less time than you would yes, have. Yes,
1: the- theoretically, but this is just a problem with me being around books and lots of sources of information that it's hard for me to walk away from it.
2: It's good, though, because if, if you ever try to research too far, you, you'll you probably end up on Wikipedia at first, and then you'll realize yep. after a very short period of time, wow, this really isn't it. Either the type or as much information as I was hoping to find.
1: Wikipedia is a great starting point, and a lot of times it will give you references that you can then follow. And you know, the other thing about um, about public libraries too is that they have music on CD, some of them and 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 um, movies on DVD, but a lot of them also have streaming music and yep. streaming movies that you can watch from home or listen to from home now. Or, um, I mean, of course, there are books for kids and things like that, but lots of entertainment. Um, in fact, what's really interesting is that um, during economic recessions, library use tends to go way up. Hmm. Um, really? Yeah, because, um, and I, if there are any public librarians who are listening who, who, and I have this information wrong, they should let me know. But, um, you know, Email when to the are- Podcast <laughs> at
0: gmail.com. <laughs> when- Call or text to 503 847 9774.
1: Yeah, when, when times are tough and people are looking to cut back on expenses, then mm. all of a sudden it's like, well, I can borrow books. I can borrow movies. I can, um, borrow music. I can yeah. do all that for free without spending oh, right. any money.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, that, that Netflix and that Hulu subscription, they start to add up yeah. pretty quickly. <laughs> and i tell you
1: what, if you have kids, you know, my kids are, um, well, not so much right now, but for a long time, they were really into graphic novels. Mm and that's great um i love it gets
0: expensive it gets
1: really expensive and you know i'm 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 a big believer that any kind of reading is good reading right any kind Mm -hmm. of reading is good so i'm going to encourage my kids whatever they want to read i'm going to get it for them but you know if you're paying eight or nine bucks or six or seven bucks for every graphic novel it just gets really expensive whereas at the library you know you can i mean we used to (laughs) go and they would just check out like Thirty books at a time and you can do that yeah, and then yeah. you know and then if it takes them an hour to read it's fine you haven't you know you haven't mm-hmm. spent a ton of money
2: another thing that's kind of like a additional benefit too is i i always appreciated kind of the learning process about care and stewardship for books mm-hmm. that's taught to mm-hmm. younger readers mm-hmm. and i remember that was one of my like more uh scary experiences is like getting a, a book a little bit wet and then the librarian like talking to me but be, very gently just being like yep yeah, Oh, you know this is how we care for it this is this is, these are the things that can't happen but i think that uh learning that in that very like soft environment if you will mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. a really nice way to to propel skills further onward into life there
1: i i feel like you've just hit on something which is a real sensitive point for librarians and that mm-hmm. is uh the stereotype of librarians in popular oh, really? culture. Yeah, because, you know, we have a reputation, right? You see in a lot yeah, of movies you, as being like school. Yeah, you don't scold. have a chain
0: on your glasses.
1: Yeah, I don't. I am wearing glasses.
0: <laughs> um,
2: it's, a, it's an integrated chain. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Um, I am a white woman in glasses, which makes me look like an awful lot of other librarians.
2: Um,
4: but, uh,
0: but you don't have a perm, so that's yeah. right.
4: I think most of us get any
2: letters. Oh, hey, <laughs> but you we, know, we could call a shout out to my mom, <laughs> also a librarian. Oh, right. But on. I
1: think we have, you know, there's this uh, thing in popular culture that we're stern or scolding or always shushing people. And my dad, I love my dad, but he, he, he you know, when I, To be a librarian, there's a master's degree that you get in library science. And, you know, my dad likes to joke. Oh, you know, I didn't know you needed a master's degree to shush
2: someone. (laughs)
1: Thanks, dad. Super
2: supportive. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Super supportive. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I did not say to my dad, oh, I didn't know you needed a master's degree to run a hospital oh no, that doesn't <laughs> <quite> <laughs> up, right? sick burn yeah not really
2: I, mean, uh, I didn't actually say that anyway um, <laughs> yeah I mean come on you obviously need a PhD
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but anyway you know but, but I think uh, librarians especially folks who are inclined to work in public services and work at the reference desk we tend to be actually more uh, extroverted more yeah. chattier a little bit chattier um, and uh, you know libraries are I think Folks who haven't been in libraries very often in the past, say, five, ten years are surprised at how lively Mm -hmm. um, they can be. They're not quiet places. There are story times. There are, uh, in colleges and universities, there are students working on group projects. So, um, libraries are really vibrant, Mm -hmm. sometimes even loud (laughs) places. And that's kind of how they're they're meant to be.
2: Totally. I was recalling my last visit to the library when, um, yeah, I I think the term, like, or whatever the the common saying something along the lines of like be quiet people are reading like just does not apply to uh at least in my experience to Mm -hmm. libraries in multnomah county in a very good way right in 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 circa 2018 it seems like lots of stuff going on there lots of learning happening Mm -hmm. and what's really neat too is like i don't know if you've ever had those moments when you're sort of like plugging away on a project at home and you have gone to like eight or nine or ten or 15 different resources and you're just like wow i can't really crack this nut at a library like at the very worst case, you've got somebody who's able and like willing to help you down the right track. Mm-hmm. And at the best case, they'll be like, "Oh yeah, this is exactly what you need." Yeah. So it's a really supportive environment to do. I think like any kind of work in addition to just personal learning.
1: Yeah. Well, I was going to say two things about that. First is you know, folks spend a lot of money at coffee shops trying to find some place like quiet to work to get away from home and and um, think about whether. Your public library or the local academic library could be a comfortable place that mm. if you just need some place to sort of sit with your laptop and, and do some work and be on Wi Fi. Um, so that's a good way to take advantage of that. But yeah, in terms of uh, like when you when you have information needs, <laughs> which is a formal way of saying when you have a question. <laughs> um, I think, I mean, I almost think that sometimes uh, as librarians, we love questions so much and sometimes people are like, no, really, you've given me all the information <laughs> I need. Now. And it's not that we, you know, a lot of librarians are bright people, we're intellectually curious, we do a lot of wide reading, but it's not that we know the information, we're really good at finding mm-hmm. information. so. Yeah. So sometimes it helps to talk to somebody who's a specialist in a particular area. Um, But in general, if you go to a reference desk at a public library or an academic library and you have a question, it's not that I know the answer. It's Mm -hmm. that I kind of have a mental map of how to find the answer, even if I don't really understand. Um, One of my favorite things as a librarian is, uh, you know, so I have more of a humanities and social sciences background and sometimes students will come to me with science questions or business questions and those are not my areas of expertise but i love when so then we have this thing called a reference interview where we sort of talk to them and try to get more information and figure out what it is that they actually want to know and need to know and um it's incredibly satisfying when i can help them find the information they need even when i don't even understand what it is that they're looking for Mm -hmm. like i don't know what these concepts are this is not something this is not a concept that I learned about, you know, anytime recently in school, but yet I can help them, um, with my skills of sort of navigating the information landscape. I can help Mm -hmm. them get the information that they need, which then they understand, which is the point. Mm -hmm. And, um, my favorite part though, is like students come and they ask these questions and then I instantly become curious and we look for all this information and then I'm like, Ooh, and I'm, I don't have to write the paper.
2: Mm-hmm. Ah. I don't have yes. right Yeah. Or um a lot of times when I get asked questions at the bike shop or on tour it'll be like, "Well, I don't know that, but I'm happy to look it up for right. you." And yep. then you know it next time. Yep. Or you have got like that little bit more of information or people will be like very timid to ask things and mm-hmm. it's like I always I often tell folks is like, "Well, I'm learning too." You know, like we're yes. all, we're all learning. Yes. Yes, so it's there's a nice no stupid question. Together.
4: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean there's not. We I love we love questions at libraries and people should people should come and ask They should ask librarians questions because, you know, if it's a sincere question um, Mm -hmm. that they have about the world or information or something they want to know, we are glad to help you find it. And the thing that I think we also know is like when we've hit our limit and we're like, yeah, I've done as much as I can. This is where I think you should go next to find Mm -hmm. that information.
2: You mentioned a little bit about the information landscape. Um, Would you be able to talk a little bit about how that's changed or sort of what's different between when you sort of started and Mm -hmm. and what the current landscape looks like today?
0: Yeah, it's really... And would you be willing to discuss when you
4: started?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I um, graduated from library school in 2006. So I've been working um, in libraries for, um, wow, 14 years I now realize
4: because
1: oh, yeah. um, <laughs> I, I started when I was in grad school and then um, and then I've been working you know as a professional librarian since 2006 and uh, yeah I mean when I started we already had databases we had electronic journals ebooks were around they weren't quite as popular as they are now okay. um, especially within libraries but I think what's changed um. So the well, there's a couple things that things that have changed. But one is that the format of the information has changed. Even if so, there's still scientific journals and there's still there's still research articles, but now they're often in electronic form rather than just in print form. So mm-hmm. you can often do the research from home or from your dorm room or from the internet. Um, I think one thing that's that that seems to have changed that seems to have changed but hasn't is I think there's this. Idea now that all the information is online and it's
2: free, hmm. and I it's think it's not.
1: It is not free. Um, Do you know
2: what percentage of the world's libraries are considered digitized? Mm, no. Okay, I, I, no think I saw a stat, but I think it was from like at least five or yeah, ten years ago. Yeah, I mean,
1: there's so there's so much information that's in books that weren't digitized, or they're in books that are even if they were digitized, they're still behind copyright. Mm-hmm. But then there's just a lot of information in these databases that. It's online, but it's behind a paywall. Yep. Um,
2: and tell us tell us what a paywall yeah. is and sort of what, that, what affects that.
1: So if you're ever doing research and trying to find uh, research on maybe, a, you're trying to find more like science or evidence-based information, something that's actually like in a peer-reviewed journal or research journal. Sometimes when you click through to something, you will get a little, if you're just on the open web, if you're just on the internet or using Google or another search engine, You'll get to a page that says, "You can access this article for, you know, twenty-four hours for twenty dollars or something like oh, that." Yeah. And um, and don't ever pay for that without checking to see if your library has it. There's a a good chance if you're in the U.S. if you're in if you're in the U.S. or Canada, and I'm going to guess most of Europe and probably many other places in the world that. You can go into an academic library. Well, in many places, you can go into your public library and sometimes get that, um, or you can go into an academic library and get that for free. So, um, what? You know,
0: and again, I wouldn't need to be like a a student or yeah. All right.
1: No, no. So, for example, um, at, you know, Portland State University, we're a state institution, and and our doors are open to the public. So, w- not all of our computers are open to the public, but right. we do have computers that are available for the public to use. And they don't have, you can't um, do it. You can't search the entire web on that, but you can access our resources. So you can get to our journal databases and our subscriptions. And um, so, you know, a common time when people start to do a lot of research is, um, let's say that you or a loved one has like a, a medical condition Um, Um, so a lot of times people, if they get really in depth in that, they want to actually look at the latest research in, in, in medical journals. Um, Mm -hmm. some of that stuff will be available in a public library. Some might be available in an academic library. Some might be available, um, actually on the open web. Um, if you want to try to find, um... Uh, sort of more research-oriented information just from home without doing a Google search. There's something called Google Scholar, mm-hmm. scholar.google.com. Um, this is a website that I love. This is when you're actually looking for more peer-reviewed academic information. And what's great about Google Scholar is that if it's available online for free, it'll just link directly to it. Um, but if it's not, you can um, often get it through your local library or you can use a service called Interlibrary Loan. Through your um depending on the library, you may or may not get charged for it. Um, but uh that's when a library will say, you know, we don't have this, but we can we can get this from another library and Mm -hmm. they maybe will pay you a few dollars, but it may be less than the, you know, twenty dollars or twenty five dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So if you have um if you have like a research project that you want to do in your own life, um look and see if there's a public or academic library um or sorry not a public library but but look and see if there's a university or college library that's open to the public near you it doesn't have to be a state university mm-hmm. um it could be a community college it could be a private university i used to work at a at a private university where a lot of people came in and it 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 was open to the public as mm-hmm. well um so it's a it's an incredible it's an incredible um, you know, libraries, librarians are, we love sharing information. Our mission is to share information and we want, we want everybody to be able to access information. So as much as possible, we keep our doors open.
0: Now, do you think that's, that's part of uh, your training mm-hmm. to become a librarian or do you think that's something that's innate as librarians become librarians.
1: I think, um, yeah, we're not huge gatekeepers to information, so I don't know. I think that people, I don't, yeah, why are people drawn to librarianship? I mean, I do think that, I mean, we do have as part of our sort of core values, um, you know, what I was saying before about access to information. I mean, we feel really strongly that an educated citizenry is essential for democracy. You can't have a democracy without freedom of information. We talk about things like You know, the press and the press being able to have access to information. Well, how do people get the newspaper? And how do people get that information if they don't if they if they can't afford to subscribe or buy it? Well, it's it's through the library. Um, so you know, we want people to be able to have access to information and and whatever information they want. So a good library is also very careful to not only represent one side of a particular political issue, but Mm. we'll try to have um, information on, on a range of issues not, that can really anger some people some people go yeah. into libraries yeah some people will go into libraries and not be happy with the kind of information that they that they feel is available there but I think um, my experience has been that sort of the more um, that, that kids who feel like different from other kids for whatever reason you know who who um, you know, I've heard from a lot of LGBTQ folks who say that the library was the place where they felt like they were accepted because there was information there for them oh, that, that right spoke on. to yeah. them. Or if so, if you're somebody who, you know, is living around people you feel like is uh, like these folks are different from you, go to the library because maybe your point of view is represented there.
0: Maybe yeah. you can find information. Yeah, you may not necessarily find the people. that are that are more like you but you'll see like stuff written by that that community or whatever Mm -hmm. right on
2: yeah 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 the term expanding your horizons yeah exactly
1: Exactly. so i had um so several years ago i I attended a national librarian conference and um the filmmaker john waters was there Mm -hmm. and um he told us about you know how he like all the like um, all the books like basically the library was where he went because he felt like this freaky kid
4: hmm. and oh, so yeah. he could go yeah. to
1: the library and he there he didn't feel like a freak right you now so hmm. if john waters cannot be a freak at the library <laughs> <you> know, <right? laughs> yeah
2: most definitely
1: <laughs> yeah or dan's actually or dan savage we have so dan savage spoke at a library conference that, that i that well, i went that to a few sense. years yeah, ago yeah. too right and he talked yeah. about the same thing right yeah. like so you know um I don't exactly remember the stories he told, but but lots of people talk about how important the library is for them when they're young and trying to understand who they are.
2: In terms of that focus of the library, I guess as a whole, what, what sort of determines that style of direction or the um, acquisition or deacquisition mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. books? And, and what does that sort of look like? Yeah. And is there also a difference between sort of public and private libraries in that regard?
1: Um, when you or say to your knowledge, yeah, so public, I mean, public libraries by, uh, you know, for example, Multnomah County, it's such a big library system. I, again, I, I use Multnomah County uh, library as a patron, but they have to buy, you know, any, any popular novel that's coming out, they buy multiple copies, mm-hmm. right? Because they're going to, they want multiple copies in one, every one branch. One Harry Potter ain't going to do it. That's right. That's right. And so they want multiple copies of that in every library branch that they have. And it's going to be on hold even before, as soon as it shows up in the in their catalog, it's going to be put on hold even before it's on the, on the shelf. Um, so, you know, they're buying a lot of books for, for popular reading. Um, mm-hmm. But they're also buying a lot of books to meet all, a whole range of information needs, like, you know, cookbooks or articles about health issues or exercise or fixing your car or whatever it is that you or your bike you know what do you want to know about bicycles the library probably has that that Mm -hmm. book um you know in a in an academic library we think more about um trying to get books that are going to meet the curricular needs that are that are going to match up with the research interests of our students and faculty and staff um but you know we also have a lot of books that people might use for for popular reading one thing that i love is um At my library, we have a large collection of um, children's and young adult literature, um, ostensibly because we have a lot of education majors, and Mm. so they should have access to those books. But it means that a book that's on hold at the public library might actually be on the shelf of my academic library, (laughs) (laughs) right? Not just for kids, but for adults too, because people aren't thinking of checking it out of the academic library. Uh So sometimes you can go and and Hot get tip. a book yeah a tip <laughs> yeah i know am i gonna am i gonna re- regret sharing that secret oh not if people um, read it yeah that's right that's right <laughs> so sometimes you can find on the shelf of the academic library something that might be you know might have yeah. a, a three-month hold at your local public library
2: mm-hmm. for yourself personally do you or did you have sort of a moment where there, there was there an epiphanal period where you're like yep this is what I want to do, like whether that was yeah. related to the library itself or sort yeah. of what, what got you started down that track.
1: Well, so librarianship is not a first career for many. For, I'd say most librarians really? come into it as a second career. There yeah. are some folks like you you know who have a family member who's a librarian who are maybe sort of aware of librarianship as something more than just the person who checks out book books but is, but are aware of it as, as more of a, um, as a field or a profession. And even though I spent a lot of times in libraries, and I was an undergrad English and women's studies major, and then I got a master's degree in English, I still was not super aware of librarianship as a, as a professional hmm. field or option. I worked in outdoor recreation for a long time, and I had a, a friend who went to library school. Um, but then when I was in grad school for English, I had uh, my advisor, uh, this, this dear professor of mine, um, my beloved advisor, who... Whose daughter was a librarian and he said, he said, Joan, he said, so I was thinking about doing a PhD in English. I wasn't sure what I want to do. And he said, Joan, he said, you should be a librarian because you could work on a college campus, but you don't have to grade papers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, that to him just seemed like that
4: That's would be, dream. that was everything yeah. you wanted. Yeah. Everything you wanted.
1: <laughs> and then I looked into it and I, and I realized that a lot of things that I already liked and enjoyed professionally would be a, a good match. Mm. Um, so, I, it's funny. I don't know that I actually had a, had a, an epiphany, but it was, uh, it's an outstanding bit for me mm-hmm. personally. Like the values and ethos of the profession kind of line up mm-hmm. with mine. Um, and it's, it's a great environment to work on. And, and although I have graded a few papers, you know, <laughs> in, in various jobs, because sometimes librarians do teach classes, mm-hmm. um, in general, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm more, I'm working with students in a, in a different capacity. But yeah, I mean, as a, as a field, it's actually not something In library school, um, in the master's programs, it's actually pretty unusual to find somebody who's straight out of undergrad, um, or even a year or two. Usually it's something that people find a little bit later, which is, which is great because it's, um, it's a profession where you know, you don't, it's not like you feel like you have to get into it, right? Mm. It's, you know, it's not like you've wasted time. Like whatever else you've done in your life Mm. beforehand contributes to the work that you do as a librarian. Because if you know anything else, well, you know, so, so some of the work I do in libraries right now is around marketing and communications. Well, before I was a librarian, I did some marketing work in outdoor recreation. And so that's contributed. And I find that's, you know, there are folks who will come from A range of different backgrounds and and it just Mm -hmm. gives us a you know education any education is is useful for librarians so whatever background experiences you have just sort of contributes to making you a a better librarian Mm -hmm. i think yeah
2: no that that makes sense it's it's nice to not have to start out straight out of the gate plus i mean when you come to it yeah uh, that makes sense yeah Yeah. (laughs) switching uh to Mm -hmm. a, a tiny bit of a segue have either of you seen the librarian's the show which was filmed <laughs> in not. portland oh it was oh,
1: that's yeah they that, filmed that at portland state a couple of years ago they filmed right at the <laughs> oh, library really? a couple of years ago since yeah. we're doing yeah. a
2: library episode i figure i might as well bring it up the one time i have a chance <laughs> yeah yeah. yeah, no, yeah no,
0: no i've seen it in my feed but i've never actually oh, okay yeah
2: they also filmed in um old town chinatown a lot so that's kind oh. of where i got a, a <laughs> right review yeah. of that because there's this one courtyard that like nine wait were you an extra um i was not next <laughs> our bike shop is in it oh, okay. our bike shop's in a lot of stuff though yeah. um, just it's usually something just I mean, by virtue of location well it, the spice shop used to be that our storefront so when, oh. when that was getting going oh. we'll have people maybe once or twice a week in the summertime walk in and very timidly be like is this is, is this the spice shop and we're like yeah it just <laughs> hasn't been for like six years yeah. um but yeah the uh the show itself not not necessarily super librarian um centric or focused, but an interesting sort of tie-in to our, to our show and to the Portland region there.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a... That, I would, How appropriate. I would, I would say that it is not a great representation no. of the profession. It's a terrible
2: yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you could do what they do in the show, um, we would... Well, I, I shouldn't say we'd have more people getting into the library. The, the library would look very different. It would look very put different. It that way. Yeah,
0: yeah. Wow, I'm gonna have to go watch this now.
2: Give, your, give yourself the first episode. It's... it's it's not very good. <laughs> <laughs> but, but if you like looking at Portland landmarks and wondering, okay. is there a secret entrance under the St. John's Bridge that leads to a kingdom? It's like uh-huh. watching... Um, Maybe it's a show for you.
1: See, I can't even remember. What was that show about the... I can't even remember. That one that filmed here about the... like like grim grim oh. yeah like you can see it in the background you yeah know? Oh, yeah yep. yeah.
2: it's a it's a it's a good old like who's who of how many places in portland do you recognize <laughs> oh, yeah, right yeah, yeah yeah, yeah. so charming for the the locality not necessarily yes. the content indeed indeed um well yeah uh, do you think in terms of I, I guess so for we we've talked about cycling and, and simple living mm-hmm. and the library's mm-hmm. part in that uh if if somebody let's see do you think that that there's a easy action item that if you're looking to get into cycling or simple living like if somebody came in and asked you a question what what might you say or what might you consider in order to get somebody set up in in either in that topic
1: Yeah so this would be a good this would be a good thing to go and um in in the public library you can get lots of there, there are a lot of books about sort of urban cycling, right? Yeah. Or, or or cycling for transportation. Possibly a book maybe. titled Urban Cycling. Yeah, yeah. Maddie By Carlson. Maddie Carlson. I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> for example, Maddie's book.
2: Um, <laughs> Which is an excellent book if you've not because read it yet. I haven't read it, and oh, really? I became friends yeah, with you Natty, and then
1: I was like, "Oh, she wrote this book.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> she's great." And I didn't. I was like, "Oh, she's a she's a famous person." I just <laughs> thought she was this like nice woman that I met at these bike rides. Um, oh, she's
2: a very nice woman. <laughs>
1: no, she is. She is, but she's also a like yeah. famous big like, person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, so. Uh, Yeah. So, so you can, a lot of times your local library will have, have a book like that. And so, and the thing about books about cycling is there's so many that, you know, go ahead and just check out whichever ones are there and then put on hold ones that aren't and, and, you know, read them all. And if you wanted to get a book about, um, yeah, or if you wanted to get a book about training, maybe if you're trying to work up to doing longer rides, you could Mm. get that. And, and a lot of times, books can be really expensive. I mean, I love books, but I, I, it's really hard for me to spend money on books. Cause yeah. I know if I'm willing to wait a little bit, I can usually get it from the library. Oh, right. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I, 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 I borrow more books than I read. I borrow books and I don't get through them. And then I bring them back and you know what? I don't have to feel bad about uh, not reading. them. Right. Um, um, right. I end Definitely. up, yeah, I end up paying some overdue fees. That's, That's one of the dirty secrets of librarians. We're the worst at returning our books on time. Oh, really? Um,
2: Oh, yeah. (laughs) You just got to keep the karma flowing yeah
1: well it, i mean so yeah like right now i owe 17 bucks to Multnomah county <laughs> library but that's okay because they'll just spend it on more books right. yeah but that's know? like
2: that's like one book at pal yeah right
1: but you know what's great though too <laughs> is that it like max out at a, it maxes out like when your overdue fees are like 20 bucks you can't
2: pay <laughs> if you can't
4: borrow anymore
1: so i'm like oh Pop tips <laughs> yep yep so, so then i have to go and pay off all my fees
2: Hmm. do you oh. think um so in terms of when you're giving recommendations to people to what extent do you feel that you have sort of a like everybody brings bias mm-hmm. to uh, yes. to things oh, yeah. sort of in in their mm-hmm. existence do you find yourself having to really like manage that or do you do you let your biases show more in certain realms or how do you how do you manage that when you're when you're helping people
1: yeah out? that's a great question i think the really like if someone
0: was looking for a tv series mm-hmm. possibly with some librarians in it mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> and you know, knew it wasn't like like that how, good yeah but, yeah. yeah but you did know that they asked about it and we're really excited
1: i <laughs> have opinions i do try to separate i, was told I should
2: watch this yeah. should
1: I? I i well okay so i think <laughs> Um, What we talk about as librarians is, um, you know, like the validity of information, the reliability of information and the bias of information. So who's who's writing this or who's created this content and why did they do that? Mm. Right. So like what. So, you know, taking a step back, like sometimes people are sharing information online because they're trying to sell you something or sometimes they're sharing information online because they're doing a research report and they want to disseminate their research. Um, so I think understand, or sometimes they're, you know, sharing information online because they're selling ads on their website Mm -hmm. so they you know like clickbait right Right. like why do things have sort of dramatic titles it's to draw you to that website so maybe you'll look at the ads
2: that's why all of our episode (laughs) titles start with top 10 reasons (laughs) (laughs) the insurance companies don't want you to know yeah yeah (laughs) top
1: let's see top 10 best well reasons to go to the library. That doesn't quite have the same. <laughs> well, when number, you say it like one, that, just go. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I have to work on my uh, my, my
4: clickbait for
1: library. So what you're saying is the process is inherently not biased yeah. towards that particular avenue? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Top. Sorry, I don't. I don't have anything. Like,
2: <laughs>
1: I don't know. Like, I feel like we're just like the best stuff you can get for free yeah like how to get stuff for free that still doesn't sound very exciting
2: you don't have to market a good thing
1: yeah right well you shouldn't have to you shouldn't think so you wouldn't think so uh sometimes librarians do come under so i said before that you know during recessions and times of of uh, when people are having a hard time they tend to use the library more um that is often the time when um, towns and counties are, are, are tempted oh, to yeah. cut funding yeah. to yeah. libraries. Did you see,
2: and it's just as, and I, I wish I had brought the article in. Did you see the reversal of the decision? I think it was in a county in England where mm-hmm. they, they had looked to pull like 16 of their libraries right. and uh, this like. 10-year-old basically brought them to court and then the judge was like that's fantastic you you can't actually do that you have a federal like obligation to provide library services good good good." so speaking to that extent
1: there's this great organization nationally called every library that does a really good job of of helping libraries that are are trying to secure funding or fighting off situations like that um and i think yeah i think um one thing so i started to say before and then I, i I sort of got distracted on some other thing. Is oh, that-
2: I, I interrupted you.
1: <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> um, is that I think there's this idea now that all the information is available online and for free and also that kids today know how to find information on the web. So oh, yeah. I think sometimes mm-hmm. teachers and professors and parents and, you know, the olds, right? Like mm-hmm. we old folks tend to think, oh, kids know how to use the internet. They can find all that information. But the thing is, it can be, they know how to use the technology, they Mm -hmm. know how to use apps, but that doesn't mean that they know how to find information. So some of these skills... Or
2: that that information is good.
1: Yeah, exactly. So being able to evaluate information and the quality of an information source is an incredibly important skill. Um, Within like the world of news, this is called media literacy, sometimes within librarianship. I don't love this phrase, but sometimes it's called information literacy. Uh, The idea being like, can you evaluate an information source? And you know, you can give some really obvious examples of here's here's um here's a news story that's coming from Fox News versus from yeah. CNN versus New York Times versus the or Oregonian. Like, you know, right? a new or,
0: chemical found that regrows hair. Research right. funded by you know exactly, a new hair yeah. exactly.
1: And a lot of times when you look at those, um, there's a and particularly in the medical world, I feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of um, exaggerated claims, okay. right? So it'll yep. say, research shows that taking this vitamin will stop aging or, or something like that. And, mm-hmm. Or it'll say, now you know, that's
0: clickbait. Yeah,
1: right. <laughs> or research shows that new research study proves that taking this supplement will, you know, and then mm-hmm. a host of claims. And a lot of times, so I'm one of those folks who I will click through to find the source of the information. And a lot of times, There is a research article, but the research article has a very small conclusion that it's drawing. It's Mm -hmm. saying, you know, with this group of 50 people, we found that, you know, taking the supplement with these other conditions Mm -hmm. led to this very specific outcome and more research is warranted. And then that'll sort of turn into like clickbait for somebody to sell some supplement or somebody mm -hmm. who has some other agenda oh yeah and uh, i
2: I feel like that's one of the biggest uh achilles heels of the internet as a resource mm -hmm. is that it there is it's commercial not that filter um and and it's not to say that there are filters like always in place or in place in the same ways in a traditional library sense but I was talking with uh, a gent who teaches English out in uh, South Korea and he was saying that one of the things he really struggled with was sending students home with homework and then they would just go online Mm -hmm. and look it up and bring Mm -hmm. it back and just be like having having literal articles um, that but there was no like validity to their sourcing. And so really trying to like struggle with that concept of like well you can find something that does not necessarily mean that it is true uh right. nor does it mean it's a good source necessarily
1: yes as abraham lincoln said don't believe everything you read on the internet <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> hashtag bumper I, sticker I, yeah. yes <laughs> <laughs> yes
1: yeah so i think that is a that is a big um problem that we see that 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 folks tend to think that knowing how to use technology means that you're good at evaluating information. Those are really different skills. And I think um, what I would love is if people had, if not, I don't want to say that they should be cynical about information, but a little bit of skepticism, Mm -hmm. you know, when you see a claim, when you see um, things like, you know, Facebook, for example, is trying to get better about not sharing information from certain um, uh, sources that aren't as trustworthy. Mm-hmm. But you know, you should still be looking up and, and checking information. You see, especially if it's brand new information, and it's you know, what is the source of this information? What is what is the goal? I mean, sometimes, sometimes even um, legitimate, reliable. Professional news sources get information wrong, but in that case, they will probably issue a retraction or they will usually you know, own that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's just so much misinformation out there and weeding and through that is really complicated and, and sometimes one of the real advantages of using a library database or using a limited... Sometimes it can be better to have a smaller pool. So I like to think of it, right? So if the internet is like the ocean, imagine you're trying to find like something in the ocean Right, it's huge. You know, you're trying to find like a, a, something floating in the ocean. It would take forever. Well, what if you, what if you needed, what if you had a pool? You mm. could find something find in a that pool. same floating
0: object, right? right. In. So when yeah.
1: you, so the internet is sort of like the ocean, and when you use library resources, that's more like the pool, right? So it's like there's still a lot of stuff there, but having a smaller sort of amount of information. You're not having to get through as much stuff. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a little easier to narrow down. Maybe it's a little easier to find what you're looking for. Yeah. So starting with like a, a smaller set of information resources that have been sort of more curated where a lot of the junk has been weeded out already. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or I don't even want to say it's that the junk has been weeded out. It's that only more better stuff has been included. Um, can be a really helpful way. Um, so it takes a little it has bit of
2: data integrity. Yes.
1: And, and it may take a little bit of time to figure out how to use the library, but once you know how to do it, you will probably f- be faster at finding that information um, because you're not having to weed through mm-hmm. a bunch of the clickbait and a bunch mm-hmm. of the stuff that's not as relevant
2: perfect example of this is uh jane and i were trying to decide on a toothbrush and i realized that's mundane but we like to research pretty much everything <laughs> and <laughs> Me so too. A- yeah as you're usual... the child of a librarian oh yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> 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 and uh you know because dental hygiene is important um but with that we you know of course you end up and i, I think i had like f- 35 40 tabs open <laughs> and you're just like well at a certain point i'm just going to make a decision because all of this information you can tell that like 90% of those tabs are corporate sponsored research right. the others are blogs and then you have to rank the blog validity versus mm-hmm. you know other sources and whether you mm-hmm. trust them or not um, so i feel like yeah that that analogy of minimizing or, or, or going for a dip in a pool instead mm-hmm. of the ocean i think that makes a lot of yeah, sense yeah
1: yeah it, it it can be a lot easier sometimes to have a smaller a smaller uh, a smaller group of information resources
0: Mm -hmm. well i was gonna say let's go back (laughs) a little bit and talk about demystifying the
4: library Mm -hmm. or
0: or not demystifying but like debunking
4: yeah oh yeah
2: three favorite library myths and why they are false yes Uh, or any favorite
1: yeah i so maybe probably the big one is that libraries are quiet places full of books um a lot of libraries do have a lot of books but, um, libraries a lot more than books and often they are very lively places. Yeah. Um, so I'd say that's the big one. Uh, I, I'd, I'd say the second big myth is, I don't know, librarians are, are mean and mm-hmm. want to shush you or, <laughs> or don't want you there, I guess. Um, and, you know, a lot of times I'm not saying there aren't any mean librarians out there, but a lot of times, uh, you know, librarians are, are friendly folks who just want to help you find whatever it is that you're looking for. I need a third. Um I, I don't know maybe that maybe that it's hard. Uh, I I mean I don't know that this is a myth but just I think the fact that the library is off a lot of people's radar
2: hmm.
1: um might be one of the
2: um, I'd say I've experienced that personally. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so a lot of times people aren't even thinking about going to I mean lots of people are using the library but but the fact that um you know you can use the library at your local university and a lot of folks don't even know that they can do that. Right? right, so there's so many information resources, really good. I just high today quality. found
0: out that they're open to the public. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. there
1: you go. <laughs> so, um, so, I would on. I would welcome any other library uh, stereotypes in in and so I could debunk them if they're yeah. miss yeah. or confirm them if
2: they're true. <laughs> I'm, trying, I don't I'm trying to think of them. I might be too close to the metal. Yeah, the <laughs> thing, I, I just um, take a lot of stuff. for Well, along advantage.
0: those same lines, I would say. What kind of bike do you ride?
1: <laughs> what kind of because, bike do I ride? Yes, Ooh.
0: because because it, I would imagine the librarian, the stereotypical librarian would have a specific kind of bicycle.
1: I think you know what kind of bike I ride though. I do, but okay. I, you know,
0: for for the sake of our so I've, our I've, listeners. I have
1: three bikes. Yeah. Um, I have an old Specialized road bike, I have a Cannondale cyclocross bike that I've made into my road bike but my everyday bike, it's probably super. It, yeah. Anyway, so my uh, <laughs> everyday commuter bike is a 1976 um, Raleigh mixtee that I, I swapped out the handlebars. So now they've got upright instead of drop mm-hmm. bars. So it's a,
0: yeah, that's about as close I think to to at least what's in my mind would be the stereotypical. <laughs> yeah,
1: when uh, you asked that question, might- I was like, oh <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> I, uh, like, I've got a library. Buddy.
1: I'm uh, I'm wearing my glasses, wearing my skirt, riding <laughs> riding my 1970s steel mixedy. Yep, that's me. That's Bil- me. I am. I am in some ways a <laughs> walking
3: stereotype.
2: Building on that question. If your bike were a book, whether a bike you have now or a bike that you've had in the past, what book would your bike be?
0: Don't mistake this as naming your bike, because we, kn- oh. we all know, we, <laughs> we've not... learned from previous episodes.
2: If your bike had a, had the spirit of a book, what would it be?
4: No, no names. <laughs> naming The name of the book can also I mean, be
2: redacted. I mean, how... Was... <laughs> a book about Joan's bike.
1: I just... I... I... Don't even think we should go down the path. I mean, I'm so happy for people who name their bikes. Naming your bike is fine. It is just not something I do. Um,
2: well, that's my myth about librarians.
1: <laughs> yeah, that we name all the that things. That they name their
2: bikes. Mm-hmm.
1: N- uh, what? I don't know if my. I don't. Uh, see, I'm not good. So, one of the things is I'm not good at like favorite movie or favorite mm. books. I mean, I don't know. Like, does it have to See, now I'm getting overly literal. Can it just be like a phrase or can it, because I feel like on the road yeah. works, oh, right? Yeah. But was, not because. Wait, what book um, is that? That's by Jack Kerouac Her- about him wait, hitchhiking what's called? across the country on the road.
5: Yeah, I know, But it's was, not like I that <laughs>
1: did that. <It's> just, <laughs> I mean, I actually, I actually
0: did like, most of the way
1: across the country at one time, but that's a different yeah. story. <laughs> But, um, oh, we're
0: going to have to give you yeah, a back yeah, on Yeah,
1: now. That, was a <laughs> that was a long time ago. But, um, on the road might work. I don't yeah. know. Sometimes I'm off road, but
2: yeah. I mean, that's,
1: I don't know. God, okay. What about you guys? You, you don't, Can you I also ch- don't
2: have to have an answer. That's, that's okay. That's really
1: what, 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 I don't know. My, I feel like my bike is kind of, uh, old school and like it's, 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 it's a little beat up. It's mm-hmm. very practical, but it's also got some style to it. Mm. I don't know. Maybe I would welcome I would welcome suggestions for what, what book, yeah, is appropriate for
4: my
2: bike. I uh if my bike were a book, it would be and this is this is like partial to my reference of why it would be this is uh I'm trying to remember the name of the book and of the author, oh. but I know that <laughs> but I, I've read this book and I know it captures my bike perfectly. I I think it's uh ah uh, something like barnstormers but is talking about uh in the 1940s these group of folks got together a couple of old biplanes and they they saw if they could cut it just barnstorming just mm. as they would in the old days in the 20s or so and so they worked their way across the u.s just earning you know a beer here or there maybe a little bit of cash for an air show as they barely scraped their way across the united states and i feel like a lot of my tour's um, in a sense go that way or embody that like well we don't know what we're doing but we do know we're traveling right and we do know we're going to sleep someplace and uh, have, find new experiences in a new area I, I want to say no I'm going to I'm gonna butcher the author so I, I will look it up while we talk about bikes <laughs> um, but yeah it, it's a book about barnstormers just kind of like getting out that, that endless summer and um, that would be the book that my bike would be were it a book
0: Nice. That's nice. Does it have to be a book I've read? No. <laughs>
4: Guys. Oh, go ahead. No, no. Totally
0: open No, I was going totally to no, say, I want to look up this
1: fantastic <laughs> quote right now from Susan B. Anthony about bikes. So I'm going to oh, do that. But yeah, can yeah. you talk about okay, your?
0: So there's two books that come to mind. <clears throat> uh, Steinbeck's uh, Travels with My Dog. Or uh, what is it? Travels. I can't. It's not with my dog. Uh, Travels with Charlie.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. His dog, uh, and then the book *Hidalgo* mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. the like the mm-hmm. horse race that is like out in the middle of nowhere. That makes sense. And like, yeah, I mean, I haven't done a whole lot of out in the middle of the nowhere stuff, but that is a big aspiration of mine with my with this particular bicycle, the Red Hair Among Horses. Mm. My other bike's not not so much, mm. but okay, yeah.
2: The personal the the surly. Or the uh, the Pugsley? Pugsley has mm-hmm. yet to have a book.
0: Um, no, but I I named it We. Sorry, we, sorry Anna. We named it the Kid after Aww. after Prince's character in Purple Rain. Yeah. Oh, yeah,
2: great, nice. Plus the colors match.
0: Yes, <laughs> no, that was on purpose.
2: Yeah. This, this doesn't
1: exactly have to do with books, but there's this great quote that I'm sure many of your listeners have heard from Susan B. Anthony about about um. I'm sure once you mentioned bicycles.
0: it, they're like they're probably. You know, once yeah, they yeah. listen to this, they'll be like, "Oh, I know that right. quote."
1: Yeah. Well, there's this great—I mean, I don't know all the history, but you know, the the whole reason that women started wearing like bloomers in the 19th century was so that they could ride bicycles, and, and bicycles. Oh, really? Yeah, bicycles were a huge part of like the feminist early feminist first wave of American feminism. But um, there's this great quote from Susan B. Anthony, and I'm I'm pulling this from Goodreads. So as a, as a librarian, I want to say I'm not sure that this is the exact right quote. But also,
2: it, we should cover that website as a. Uh, not, not as like an endorsement or anything, but if you're into books, Good, it's a
1: great Goodreads yeah.
2: is like, so
1: it's like Williams, a power play. Yeah. One okay. of the things that there's a lot of, uh, like, there are a lot of wrong quotes on the internet, but I think this one is right. <laughs> I think this one I've looked it up, but it's Susan well, B. Well, it's like Abraham
0: Lincoln once said, yeah, right. don't believe everything you've read exactly. on the internet.
1: Um, so she said, let me tell you what I think of bicycling. I think it has done more to emancipate women than anything else in the world. It gives women a feeling of freedom and self-reliance. I stand and rejoice every time I see a woman ride by on a wheel. The picture of free, untrammeled womanhood.
0: Untrammeled.
1: I know. I love that. So when I'm on my bike, I don't know. This isn't a book, but when I'm on my bike, I'm like, untrammeled womanhood.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's
1: that's that's what I am right now.
2: And it's still a freedom machine. It is. A century later.
1: It is absolutely a freedom machine.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: I feel like in some ways, the bike is kind of a way to level the playing field for a lot of people. Um, it gives access to people who would otherwise not be able to, like, access the distances that they need to go. Um, mm-hmm. and, and access to places. Well, I guess it's the same thing. But, yeah, access to places that they wouldn't normally be able to go. Mm-hmm. And access to health that Mm -hmm. you wouldn't necessarily be able to have either.
1: I mean, if you ride your bike to the library, just think of it—it's like Uh, double access. access. (laughs) I know, right? Right?
2: Any fans of synergy? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, Joan, thank you so much for coming.
0: Sure. Yeah, Um, I'm always glad to come and
1: chat about whatever you guys (laughs) want to talk about. Yes, fount of knowledge because.
0: That's what librarians are, right? They know no. everything.
1: No, no,
4: no. Oh, no wait, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh. no. Well, I
0: mean wait. there's plenty that we
1: know, but we're, what we're better at is well, like, Well if they don't know, they, they,
2: they know how to find
1: they, it. we will try really hard to find the
2: information. <laughs> yes.
0: You wanna stick around for our news and mail?
1: Yeah, I sure do.
2: Alright. I love, I love, I love, I love my Don't don't ever use that. Tim Mooney.
0: He was just on last episode.
2: That he was. And hopefully happily cycling down the coast to a train ride, a a shuttle he's, ride. He's gotten he's to already? California. Oh, okay. uh, he, he, I should check may, his Twitter. He may have already gotten
0: to Portland.
2: <laughs> he's probably just like, oh, guys, Hi. I'm here. <laughs> he's going to show up like outside. Knock, knock, knock. On the second Thursday of every month, the Joyful Riders Club in Minneapolis. You better ride, Anna.
0: The second Friday of every month, the Boston Bike Party.
2: Also, the second Friday of every month, the Indianapolis Bike Party. Also,
0: also the second Friday of every month, the East Bay Bike Party.
2: Last Friday of every month, the Baltimore Bike Party.
0: And every second Sunday of every month, right here in Portland, the Corvaday Bike Club Ride.
2: <coughs> August seventh, National Night Out. Hey, what is today's date? Today like is August twentieth.
0: Oh, okay. Hey, someone, <clears throat> myself, didn't edit the calendar. That's September okay.
2: 2nd, Tour de Lab. <laughs> and September 8th through 9th, the MS-150. <laughs> and if I were more with it, I probably would have noticed that. I just skipped it myself. <laughs> <That's> all right. <laughs> it's,
0: it's the it's the smoke from the fires. Yeah, it's got to be. September 13th, Dr. Something's Beaverton TC Single Release Party. Also, a transit-themed EP
2: is in the works. Mm-hmm. September twentieth, the Street Books Fall Celebration. September
0: twenty second, the Lowell Kinetic Sculpture Race.
2: And September 29th, the Wheels on Fire One Hundred in Tucumcari, North New Mexico.
1: Yes, Tucumcari. Mm.
2: Tukum- Tucumcari. Tupu- oh. Look at that! Excellent. I'm from there. She. See? Oh, really?
0: Oh. Yeah. Wow! <laughs> Excellent.
2: It's great. It's because um, being from Eastern Oregon, there's Wallawa and there's Walla Walla. And a no. number of times <laughs> that you get to be like, yeah, well, I'm just going to let it slide. <laughs> Tookum carry <Keri laughs> on September 29th,
0: November 9th and 10th, the Bor- uh, the Portland podcast festival, which they are now accepting submissions. I don't know if voting's open. Maybe you should check so you can vote for us.
2: That you should also upcoming film by bike dates, Snow Squammy, Washington. Uh, August 24th and 25th, Eugene, Oregon, August 31st, Chicago, Illinois, September 14th, Hood River, Oregon, October 30th, Akron, Ohio, November 4th, Arcata, California, November 15th. Hopefully it won't be on fire at that time. And Bendigo, Australia, November 30th, wrapping up with Phoenix, Arizona of, of November 30th and Boise, Idaho, January the 18th. Yes. And before we wrap into our headlines here, I'd just like to point out that we're drinking some very fine beverages here. Uh, Very tasty. Courtesy of of some of our friends down in Southeast Portland, and uh, I always forget where they're at. Aaron, do you remember where these fine folks who have excellent would beer that be are located?
0: The Beermongers on Southeast Division and Twelfth. Why that? It would the Which,
2: beer mongers
0: Incidentally, there's always a seat for you, and there's also books.
2: That there are. Oh yeah, that's right. Mm, mm-hmm. Yes, they've got yeah. the bookshelf. You may
0: not. You may not catch them right away because you're too busy staring at the big stick on the ceiling. But when you're done staring at the big stick, you can also stare at a book. Indeed, and, and possibly
2: read it. <laughs> so right now, I'm having the Steagle Rattler Grapefruit, which is quite excellent on a day such as today. What are you having over there, Joan?
1: Uh, I'm having a uh, Seattle cider, hard cider, tangerine deliciousness.
0: Mm. <laughs>
1: <Yum>.
0: <laughs> I have got the doc, the brew doctor. Kombucha, happiness. I like how happiness is a flavor for them. Mm-hmm. By the way, but it's funny because
2: I tried looking at the flavor to see, like, well, right. what is it? Well, what really? is it? Yeah, I guess it's just happiness. It's
0: just it's just happiness, and it is exactly what the doctor ordered.
2: Aaron concurs.
0: <laughs> so I'm going to tell you a little funny thing. I fell asleep here earlier.
2: In
1: here.
3: In
0: here.
1: <laughs>
3: I,
0: I was doing the show notes, and I got. I came here straight from work. And I fell asleep, and I had, like, a big old line from the table. <laughs> 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 hence, hence the coffee. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, yes, the happiness is, is definitely exactly what I needed.
2: And now for...
4: What can compare with the thrill of a brand-new bike? I like my bike, it's fast. I like my bike, it's fast. I like my bike, it's fast. It circles around the city lights.
2: We'd like to welcome new donor, Isaac Martinez. Thank you, Isaac. Yeah. Yes. Thank you very, very much. And uh, we look forward to bringing you and all of our other supporters many more shows. If you are not a supporter or if you've thought about maybe becoming one, no pressure, but you can always do so. Just check out the website at Sparka Podcast.
0: I won't even try to push a tote on you
2: cuz we don't have any.
0: <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but we, we didn't, will send we you didn't a have patch. to say that part. But oh, yes, oh, okay. we will send you a patch and or stickers. <laughs> we won't
2: even try to press a car on you cuz we <laughs> don't We certainly don't have those. <laughs> <laughs> we'll send you a patch though. Thanks for thanks for your support, Isaac yeah, Thanks, and, Isaac. Uh, thanks everyone.
0: Um from City Lab via an unknown Washington number, they texted this to us. Um So whoever texted this article to us, thank you. Let us know who you are so we can thank you by name. Science tackles the right hook. Viking's most feared crash. In a small pilot study, researchers found, unsurprisingly, that drivers often fail to adequately scan for non-motorists when they turn right at intersections. Some participants didn't look long enough, while others didn't check at all. What surprised lead author, lead author, whose name I will not even try to pronounce, uh, <clears throat> who studies human behavior and transportation, was that more than half of her 19 per- participants, wow, I'm doing terrible today. It's okay. It's were, the coffee. <laughs> yeah. Were guilty of such attention failures, and they were drivers between 35 and 54 years old. Ones who, according to insurance companies, represent the lowest crash risk. Interesting. Age group. Yeah. But isn't
1: this a failure of infrastructure? It shouldn't be possible to write hook people if we had. I don't think you can write up people in, for example, Northern Europe. Oh. In like in like
2: the Netherlands,
1: don't mm. they? Amsterdam? Don't they just build it better?
2: Right. Yes. Theoretically. <laughs>
0: And and but okay, I'm sure you can yeah. write up somebody if you're really honest I mean, too, while, while that is true, and and I'm in no way defending drivers, because honestly, I think the the responsibility should be just just fucking look, man.
1: Yeah, no, no, no it's totally <laughs> on drivers. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, yeah. I am not suggesting. It's oh, totally no, no, on no I, I, know, I, know, I don't. I don't. mean weird. to like sound like
0: I'm contradicting yeah, you. Yeah, no, either. it's sorry. weird
1: though when yeah. you're dry, It's like you know you have these rules, and then you have to look for mm-hmm. bikes. To, it's.
0: I think it is weird. However, as a professional driver, yes, Aaron, uh, you you do need to look on those yes, mirrors. I do, and, and I do. And there's a reason why those buses have those big ass wide mirrors is so that you mm-hmm. know you can catch everything.
2: As but uh, you can't catch shit if you don't look at it. It's yes, true. that's true. but That's uh, yeah. the the classic. I didn't see you. <laughs> well, where are you looking? Where are you looking? <laughs> um, I think also, and, and this is so I. I agree with both of you, and I think in theory it, it should be the case. Um, in my my kind of uh, call to action is uh, higher standards for licensing. Yes, like if you look at, uh, for example, Germany system where it's prohibitively expensive and also very very difficult, theory, like relatively speaking, to get a license. Um, the mere act of doing so shows a certain amount of stewardship and understanding of the consequences and realities of operating a vehicle in a public space. Uh, we, I think, in the U.S., I have felt that we treat driving as a right more than a privilege. I'm, yes, I'm sure it's not too hard to go along with that one. Um, but yeah, we just really don't make it that difficult to get licenses, and I think that a big part mm-hmm. of it, talking and uh, to Jones' uh, aspect about the infrastructure, I think some of that should be social infrastructure. It should be right. the infrastructure Most of are we licensing um, appropriately, and are we making sure that we're giving people the right to the road who truly deserve it, in the sense of Can you look on your right before turning? So, yeah, maybe it may be a three-pronged approach there. Interesting study to see. um, It would be curious to see if that made the insurance rates go up any. Oh, uh, yeah. We we shall see. (laughs) I'll
0: check my insurance. Oh, wait, I don't have auto insurance. (laughs) Because you ride (laughs) a bike. I ride a bicycle. To the (laughs) library. From from TorontoCityNews.ca. City finally fixing sinkhole after fed-up residents grew tomatoes in it. Ah. After their requests went unanswered, they decided to stage a very healthy protest, turning it into a tomato garden. And if you're worried about the tomatoes, don't fret. The city says it is transferring the plants to a community garden.
2: Hmm. This is pretty cool. You're the one who found this, right? That I was. I I was looking for... Toothbrush reviews online and stumbled, <laughs> stumbled across an article about biking tomatoes. What are you gonna do? Um, yes, so I think this is a, a very creative way to do so. I know we've seen in the past some examples of graffiti. I think the most famous one would be the nail um, genitalia over a pothole, so that the city decides to fix it. Right, right. Um, but but the, these folks they're they're not sitting there with just the bare minimum. They're growing tomatoes in their potholes to make sure that the city sees pretty awesome. there's some work to do.
1: I feel like it's like multitasking. It is a Mm -hmm. road and a urban garden. Yeah. yeah. You know, they
2: honestly,
0: they should have just made it a one lane road, stripped the rest of the concrete out of that, out of that lane and just made it a community. (laughs) Make a garden. It's like the community has spoken. (laughs) Mm This is now a garden. Like yeah. the
2: really like cynical part of me wonders what the toxin intake of a tomato plant is and like just based on the nutrient uptake <laughs> right if oh, one if we should necessarily be eating asphalt tomatoes.
1: It's not ideal to grow your tomatoes uh, right next to all the
2: yeah, em- but, uh emissions but The more from the, the more happy go lucky part of me is like, the scientists have spoken,
0: <laughs> this is now an experimental garden. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's it's uh
2: it's just a question waiting to be asked.
0: Uh, Lastly from the Atlantic via Sebastian Poole he says banter in recent episodes about e scoots reminded me of this article and there's some interesting four vowel, uh, four syllables there visuals here of discarded bike shares and the article Comes to us from well, I said from the Atlantic. The article is China is still sorting through its colorful bike share graveyards. The scale of the situation is so large that it will be a long time before the bicycle graveyards fade away. And that's a collection of pictures. Mm-hmm. Have you, have you yeah. scanned cool. through these? They're super cool. I, I think it's kind of cool. I mean, it's sad because it's like all these unused bikes and mm-hmm. they're like. In, in but one it,
2: photo, it looks like it's literally taken over a city. That, but, Yeah, I, I kind of have two minds about it. One of them yeah. is like, yeah, look at all that junk. And the other is like, wow, I wish we were so oversaturated on bike share that we actually had just piles of bikes lying around that nobody used. Good point. The bad thing would be to have piles that nobody was using in addition to the bike share. Well, I think but, the uh,
0: issue here was these were bikes that were um, part of bike shares that never quite took off. Yep, and yep. like... I originally intended to be sent over here.
2: I think that yeah. some entrepreneuring person is going to find a way to contract and turn that into into something, into something, yeah. or or just maybe money. Um, I'm, <laughs> I have, I'm sure that will somehow solve solve itself.
4: Out. Yeah,
0: as long as it's like not just a pile of of rust.
2: Over and the uh, years. at the very least, we've got some sweet swaths of graveyard bikes.
0: <laughs> it's true. Wonder what archaeologists would think about that. Oh, like, for
2: sure. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, in I I wonder.
0: <laughs> well, you know what? We may not have archaeologists studying our bike graveyards quite yet, but you know what we do have? What have we got? We got mail. Hey, we got mail. And actually, we got a voicemail. And let me see if I can bring it up. This comes to us from listener Andre Johnson in Minnesota. And it's a voicemail from the Powderhorn
2: 24. Thanks for calling in, Andre.
5: Heidi ho Sprocketeers. This is your roving reporter, Andre Johnson, reporting from the Powderhorn 24 in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Powderhorn 24 is a 24-hour bike ride that goes around five-mile laps over and... Over and over again, we've got about, uh, let's see, we're on our third card, so we got 33 laps in so far, going strong, I know uh, Iverson's done this before, I heard him talk about it on the podcast, but uh thought so we could report live between checkpoint one and two right now, and uh, the heat is uh, around 90 degrees, humidity 100%, and, uh, everything's going pretty well here. But, did the 3 a.m. to 5 a.m. segment. It was really nice, no cars. And now we're back to dodging those massive steel death machines. Okay. Uh, that's all for me for now. we talk to you later. And, Anna, hi back at you. Love you guys. Bye.
0: Bye. Thanks, Thanks Andre. Andre.
2: Well, that brings us to the end.
0: That brings us to the end of an episode.
2: Episode 427. If you did not know anything about libraries or librarianship, hopefully you've learned something in turn. I know I've learned something.
0: I've learned lots of things. And thank you so much to Joan for coming in. And thank you all for listening. You
2: ready? Let's do it.
0: The Sprocket Podcast is produced at StreamPDX Community Audio Studio thanks to generous support of Open Signal.
2: Our website is thesprocketpodcast.com.
0: Email to thesprocketpodcast at gmail.com.
2: Call or text 503-847-9774.
0: Twitter and Instagram at Sprocket
2: Podcast. Thanks to Ryan J. Lane for our theme music. Herbert for our headline sounder. Marcus Norman for graphic design. And
0: thanks to sustaining donors Logan Smith, Shadowfoot, Katrina
2: Melemgar, Wayne Norman, Ethan Georgie, Eric Iverson. Cameron Lean, Richard Wazinski, Tim Mooney Glenn Kubish, Matt Kelly, Eric Whites,
0: Todd Parker, Dan Kebart
2: Who's, Who's a, a time, time Traveler Dave Knows Chris Smith, Caleb Jenkinson, J.P. Culey
0: Peanut Butter Jar Matt, Marco Lowe, Rich Otterstrom
2: Andrew in Colorado, Drew the Welder, Anna Hey, Happy Trails Andre Johnson, King of Division, Richard G Myself, Aaron Green I am not Aaron, but he is the <laughs> author of We Were Like Sons and founder of the Regrainery. Campsite, Magners David, Nathan Poulton, Chris Rosson, Rory in Michigan, Michael Florney,
0: Jeremy Kitchen, David Belay,
2: Tim Coleman, Harry Hugo, E.J. Finnerin, Brad Hipwell, Thomas Gato, Keith Hutchinson, Ranger Tom, Joyce Wilson, Ryan Tam, Derek Wagoner, Jason Offenberg, Microcosm Publishing, David Moore, Todd Grosbeck, Chris Barron, Chris, Chris Barron, Barron, Chris Barron. Barron. Sean Baird Simon Gregory Braithwaite Ryan Morrow Jimmy Diesel Dude Luna Matthew Rooks Kaka, Marshall And to new donor Isaac Martinez Thank you so much Welcome aboard And And to all of our former donors Who've helped us get this far (laughs) Now brush your teeth And go to bed